Good evening. If you are 12 years of age or older, stay where you're at. My name is Derek Drake. Uh, many of you probably have met me because I've sat up here and talked to kids for some time. Um, but uh, I, uh, I work with World Bible School during the week, uh, and I serve there as the church relations and marketing manager. And uh, I want to first thank uh, Josh and the, um, the missions committee and the elders uh, for the opportunity to speak tonight. I want to share a bit, uh, really, about the incredible task that we have been blessed to be charged with. Along with that, of course, comes the work of World Bible School and how we are working to equip Christians to fulfill the Great Commission. I also want to say thank you from my wife and I. Uh, we have been welcomed warmly into this congregation since we moved here in June. Um, and, uh, you know, after leaving nearly a, a seven-year ministry preaching in Ohio and moving over a thousand miles away from family and friends, um, this has become home. And we are we're thankful for that. We love this congregation. We love the work that this congregation is doing. We believe strongly in the ministry that is going on here. The focus that this congregation has on our role in the Great Commission was a big draw for my wife and I to place our workmanship here. I hear it in every sermon. I hear it in the Bible classes that we hear. How can we reach those searching for the truth of God's Word? How can we, as disciples of Christ, make more disciples as we are called to do? That word called, it's an important one, and one that I'd like us to briefly consider this evening. Now, Josh told me that I had until 8.30, right? So I hope you brought snacks. If not, there might be some sweeties at the back to hold you over. Uh, <laughs> being called by God is a common phrase that, or term that you may hear today. Um, oftentimes, it's used to describe one's choice of profession or hobbies or location. You know, there is, of course, a biblical calling that we have all been called by, and we are charged to take that call to all the world. So I want to begin tonight with the scripture reading that we just heard in Matthew chapter 16. This is when we first hear about being called. Now you may be thinking, I didn't hear that in the scripture at all. I didn't hear the word called in there once. Well, let's read it again and see if you catch it. Look at verse 18 of Matthew chapter 16. Jesus says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Anybody hear the word call in there? Ah. The word there that represents our calling is the word church. The church. What is the church? Well, I'll tell you what it's not. It's not a building. This is just a structure. As I told the kids a few weeks ago, it's not the building that makes the church. It's the people, right? It's not the steeple. It's the people. I don't know if you remember that one. It's not the building. It's also not a denomination. The church is not something that man has made up. It's not something that man has defined. It's not something that man has created a set of laws that we must abide by. No, it's something that is set up specifically by God. And the word that is used there is ecclesia. 
Now, if you're in our 40s, 50s, and 60s class, you probably expected some Greek tonight. I'm not a Greek scholar by any stretch of the imagination. It's really just all Greek to me anyways. But this is ekklesia in the Greek. And it is a compound word, the first of which is ek, which means out, and kaleo, which means called. Literally, the word means called out. Now, when we look at Greek words and we look at the words that were originally written, we always have to think and consider, what did it mean then? And so we have ancient texts that we can go back to in Greek literature and understand that this word was used outside of religion to mean the assembly. The word originally was used to refer to a gathering of citizens called out of one place, called out of their homes, into some public place so that they could talk about government things. All right? In fact, elsewhere in Scripture, if you see the word assembly in the New Testament, it's likely the word ecclesia. So the word was a very common term for the day when it was first used. It would have been known throughout the Greco-Roman Empire and used often in relation to government and historical things. We've seen this throughout their writings. Now, the term specifically refers to a calling out a group of people to gather them together for a purpose. In other words, someone must do the calling. There has to be a method by which the calling is is made, and there has to be a purpose for the calling out. Now, in terms of the church, it's easier or it's easy to hear that definition, ecclesia, because as it's used by our Lord, it is used to relate to Christians being called out of where they once were and enjoined with a larger group of people for his purpose. That's what being holy is. Being holy is separated, right? Separated, out and apart. We're set apart for God's purpose. So understanding that we are called out, we must understand who is calling us out. Now, the term called out is a common phrase that is used today, really, to indicate someone who has been singled out, maybe to be made fun of, to be maybe more uh, maturely called out to be challenged or corrected. I remember often getting called out by my coaches in sports because of how well I was running the play. Why are you laughing? Y'all don't know me that well. Or maybe you do. No, I was getting called out because I was goofing off on the sideline. Maybe that's why I was on the sideline. I remember getting called out by teachers because I was goofing off. I remember getting called out in church by my parents. How many of you still remember the sound of your parents snap? That's right. I could be over there and I can snap my fingers and my kids know that it's me snapping. I still remember the sting of my mom's flick on my ear as she switched seats behind me because I was being unruly, called out. In Scripture, we find that the calling out that is being done carries with it an idea of challenge and change and correction. Romans chapter 9, verse 25, Paul says, As indeed, he says in Hosea, he's quoting Hosea here, Those who were not my people, I will call my people, and her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. You notice the change there? She wasn't my beloved, but she will become my beloved. They were not my people, but they will become my people because I will call them. There's that kaleo. There's a change that's happening. 
1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 24, Paul again here says, So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Now Paul specifically here is addressing those who were bondservants before they became Christians. And the term that's used there, it says, when you were called, refers to the change of position. Now this change of position is one of spiritual nature, not necessarily worldly nature. And that was something that Paul was having to address there. So, we are called by God. God is the one who is doing the calling. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 11, verse 29, for the gifts of the calling of God are irrevocable. God does the calling. But by what method are we called? Well, the gospel. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 through 14. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord. There's that beloved again. Remember, they weren't once beloved, but now they are. Brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn over, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 4. In 2 Thessalonians there, Paul is, is really laying out very specifically not only the steps one has to take to be a part of this, the salvation, the sanctification of the Spirit, belief in truth, right? All things that are taught through the gospel. He then tells us that we have a purpose. Now look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Paul lays out here very clearly that we are called by the gospel, and that gospel is very specific. There's nothing else. One. Do you see that throughout there? There's one of this, one of that, one of this. Nothing else can change it. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, he says, I'm astonished, you Galatians, that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, meaning someone's changing it. Someone is changing it from what we just read in Ephesians chapter 4. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and in all and through all. Somebody is changing that, and you are following that instead of the one that you should have been because we first gave it to you. Get this. Jesus is the means by which God calls us and how we, in turn, talk to God as Jesus is our mediator on behalf of the Father. Jesus is our spiritual phone line. 
When we answer that call, we get to return the call, if you will, by calling on the name of the Lord, Romans 10, 13 says. It says all must call on the name of the Lord in order to be saved. Peter preaches it first in Acts chapter 2, verse 21. This act is accomplished in being immersed in water to wash away sins. Paul recounts this in Acts chapter 22, verse 16. He's standing there in front of a group of people, and he recounts the words of Ananias, who was sent to tell him what he must do in order to be saved. And Ananias said, And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. You could say that God has called us through Jesus and he has left us a message in his word. And we have to hear it, we have to believe it, we have to obey it, and by doing that, we call him back through Jesus by obeying his commands. Now, how can one answer that message if they don't hear the message? How can they answer the call if they don't know that there's a message for them? If someone hears the message and ignores it, how then can they be saved? Now, now that we know that we have been called out by God through the gospel, and when we answer that call, we, not through our own working, but through the powerful work of God in the waters of baptism, Colossians 2 verse 12 says it very clearly, it's not our work, it's God's work. We are then added to the group of people who have been called out in the same exact way, who have answered that call in the same exact way. And thus, Acts chapter 2 details that those who heard, believed, and confessed Jesus as Lord were told to repent and be immersed in water. And when they were, the Bible says they were added to the church. They were added to the called out. They became a part of that group of people who were called out by God for a purpose. Now, now what? Now what? What are we to do? What are we called to do? 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 tells us that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are called out of darkness into light. I want you to really hone in here on 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. We are called out of the darkness into light for what? To be chosen to be set apart as holy. That sounds great. So, so then what? He says, so that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us. The Greek text adds a possessive noun in here. Pronoun, sorry, for any Englishologists in here. I don't want to mess that one up. He uses su. Literally, the Greek says kaleo su ek. Okay? It's a more pointed way to say, you are called out. The way this is written, though, I can't help but see it's you in the church. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, we are, or I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, we are seeing exactly what our role, our place in the church is to be. We are to proclaim. This word in the Greek is exangelia. Just kidding, we're not going there yet. Oh, too fast. There we go. The word in the Greek is exangelio, and it's rooted in the same word for evangelize, which is euangelion. 
And it means to bring good news. It means to proclaim the good news. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus uses this words, this word to tell his disciples what they're supposed to do. That was the Great Commission. Go and proclaim the good news. Church, the word of God is consistent. When we look at the task that is given to disciples in their service to God, it is to tell others about Jesus. The Bible teaches us less about going to church and more about the church going and what it is that we are to do as we go. Mark chapter, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, didn't he just tell this to his apostles? Isn't this just a task that he gave to his apostles? Rewind a little bit and go to verse 16 in Matthew chapter 28. And the Spirit specifically inspired the word disciple. The 11 disciples who were there. Not the 11 apostles, the 11 disciples who were there. This is the task that was given to them. I think that's purposeful. So that no one can confuse the task that has been given to the church. If you are a learner, if you are a follower of the teachings of someone, you are their disciple. That is the, that is the word mathetes in the Greek. Learner, a follower. And as such, you are to go and make more because that's one of the commands that Jesus gave us. It is the best and only proven method of church growth. Look at Acts chapter 2 and beyond to see just how effective it is. When sound doctrine is taught, disciples are made. And when we follow the teachings of Jesus and we obey the great news, why would we ever want to keep it to ourselves? We are called to teach sound doctrine, Titus 2, verse 1, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, so that others may learn the truth. This is what we are called to do as members of Christ's body. It's included in the commands to love your Lord, your God, with all your strength and your heart and mind and soul, and to love thy neighbor as yourself, and love your brethren. All of those things include the idea of teaching the truth in love. It embodies those commands. So how are we to accomplish this call? How can we teach? Turn over to Romans chapter, four, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 15. I briefly mentioned this earlier as a way to, to introduce uh, this idea of returning God's call that he's left us via the message. But Paul here explains exactly that. Look at verse 14 of Romans chapter 10. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now the word preach here can also be proclaim. Those words are often interchanged in the text, but contextually it means proclaim the gospel. How can anyone know what they are supposed to do unless someone proclaims the good news to them? Someone has to teach them. And I'm standing before you this evening telling you unequivocally that you can teach someone the truth of God's word. Now, maybe you say, I'm not good with words. Well, you know, Moses had that problem, but God used him anyway. Maybe you say, I'm not good enough. Well, people thought that of David, 
a young shepherd boy, didn't even think he was good enough to be in the same room with his brothers when Samuel came to anoint the next king of Israel. They said, nah, you just stay out in the, you stay out in the field. And when Samuel had gone through all of the brothers, he goes, there's someone missing. Oh yeah, let's go get, let's go get the pipsqueak David and bring him in. Nobody thought he was good enough, but look what David did. God used David. Maybe you say, I don't know where to start. Start here. Start here. Maybe it means your own personal study that you need to learn more. But let's start with the Bible. And then you think, well, I don't know how to guide someone through the Bible. So how can you share Jesus? This is where World Bible School can help. I hope that God's Word inspires you to teach others the good news that you've been taught. Somebody took the time to teach you the good news, right? Why not teach someone else? I pray that you desire to share your faith with the world. I want to build on this motivation and give you three simple ways that you can begin teaching those who are seeking the truth using World Bible School tools. Now, I don't share these things with you tonight because I'm employed by WBS, although it's kind of part of it. <laughs> it's the only way I got this gig, right? I, I, I tell you this truly because they work. And I see every single day the stories that are coming in. If you've never heard of World Bible School before, now I know there are many of you in here who this is probably your 80th time hearing about World Bible School, and some of you this may be your first time. So let me just give you a little bit of background for those who have never heard of it. Our mission at World Bible School is to share Jesus with the world by motivating and equipping a global network of Christians to use interactive Bible studies effectively. It's the members of the church wanting to teach those who are seeking. Now, our lessons are unique in that they are designed to connect a seeker with a faithful Christian who, is, who wants to teach somebody the gospel. Our tools can help you through that teaching process, and they provide teaching guidance if you need assistance. Currently, and I checked this this afternoon, there are more than 8,000 people waiting for someone to adopt them to learn the good news. They've taken the first step of signing up at World Bible School, making it clear that they want to study God's Word. 8,000 people around the world waiting for someone to study with them. 5,500 of them are English language students, and we have nearly 2,000 Spanish language students waiting to be adopted online. We have some Portuguese students and French students, so if you're fluent in those languages, you can teach that as well. This doesn't even factor in the thousands who are waiting for printed lessons as well. The harvest is plentiful, church, and we need more workers. Do you have 20 minutes a day to teach students? I want you to look at your day for a minute. I know I'm guilty of it too. I sit at home after a long day at work and I, I think, oh, I just want to go to bed. But then I don't. I sit there and watch TV and get on my phone. How much time do we have during the day that we could spend teaching someone the good news? How much time do you spend looking at your smartphone, at social media, at the news, playing games, whatever? Can you replace that time with teaching someone the good news of Jesus? We've set a lofty, but I believe achievable goal to reach 10 million souls with the good news of Jesus by the end of 2023. In order to do this, we need active, an active teaching base to teach all the students that are registering through these efforts. 
I'd like to invite you to join us either in attendance or as a volunteer for our annual Austin dinner, which will be held over in the EOC on November 10th. And you can RSVP at the uh, sign-up sheets. They're in the lobby. There's one at that table and over by the bag communion over here as well. You can sign up there. You can go to worldbibleschool.net slash Austin 2022. I think that said that, right? All right. Or you can scan that QR code there as well. Uh, if you want to attend and you want to eat, you have to RSVP, all right? Uh, if you'd like to volunteer, we would love that as well. See Jane Vaughn, she will be happy to employ you in some capacity. But I guarantee you that in any way that you attend this event, you will be encouraged and you will be engaged by the stories of those who are being impacted by World Bible School. I want to share one of these stories with you that continues to amaze me. It just keeps getting better, every report we get. This is Juop Williams. He's here in the water in the red, and he's uh, in the center of the picture on the right. Brian Davis shared his story a month or so ago, but since Brian shared that story, the story has gotten more and more interesting. Juop was the, the student of Steve Gober, who's pictured there on the right. You see him beaming because he's excited. Juop finished his lessons. He was a student of Steve's. They, uh, Steve was studying with him online. Juop had uh, our mobile app that is designed specifically for developing countries that have low data. Um, so he was able to use that app and study with Steve across the pond. And once he finished those lessons, he kind of fell off the radar a bit. Well, Steve was traveling over to Malawi where Juop lived, and Steve messaged him through the World Bible School platform and said, hey, I'm coming over there. I'd love to have you come to the meeting. And so Juop came. Juop heard Steve preach a sermon. He said, you have to come and you have to tell that to my congregation. Wait a minute, your congregation? Yeah, that's right. Juop is a preacher or a teacher in a Pentecostal church in Malawi. And so Steve went and he preached that sermon there. And when he gave the invitation, Juop stood up and said, I'm going to be the first one baptized. Who's going to join me? And I think from that first meeting, more than 50 answered the call that day. Now, Juop wasn't just a teacher in one Pentecostal church. He was responsible for the planting and growth of 16 other area Pentecostal congregations. And Juop has sent, taken the lessons of World Bible School and the message of truth and salvation to these congregations, and there are now 16 new congregations of the Lord's Church in Malawi. 420 people have been baptized because of what one teacher did with one student. Whew, I, that gives me goosebumps. One student taught by one teacher learned the truth through World Bible School and look at the harvest. Why wouldn't anyone want to be a part of teaching the saving grace of Jesus to the world? So here are three ways that you can do this, that you can start teaching. The first of which are on Wednesday nights. Miss Mary Nell and her team of volunteers get together on Wednesday night out in the portables, Portable B to be exact, and they grade and prepare printed lessons to be sent to those who have requested courses to be sent to them. They would love to have more helpers to work in this effort. If Wednesday evenings are the only time that you have in the week to evangelize, this could be an opportunity for you. If you have questions about this effort, you can contact Don Boyd. Well, don't contact Don Boyd right now. He's in Zambia. He won't get that message. So wait till he gets back. Then you can contact Don Boyd, or you can contact Mary Nell, Brian, myself, uh, Josh. Many of us have information on that uh, if you'd like to get involved with that work. 
You can also teach digitally. If you're not digitally inclined, that's fine. There are other ways, or I can teach you. I used to be an Apple Store genius. It's the only way I'll ever get that title. But there are actually two ways that you can study with students online. You can do so from a computer or from a smartphone or tablet. That's right, you can evangelize even on the go. Call right now. Our World Bible School app has recently been updated to allow teachers to teach now from this application. Now, if you want to download this app, great. I just want to caution you, though, if you download it and you are not already registered as a teacher, you're not going to be able to do anything. You'll have, the, the app will say, hey, do you want to sign up? And you say, yes, well, you're, you're now a student. So don't do that. You need to apply to be a teacher first, okay? Now, I'm going to go over all the nitty-gritty details of those things in a separate meeting. I'm just gauging everyone's interest tonight and getting everyone interested and excited about teaching with the methods that we have. With the mobile app, in the span of 30 minutes, I have been able to adopt five students, introduce myself to them, and grade 15 lessons. That's in 30 minutes. All from my smartphone. The app will also notify you when there are new students that match our congregation's target areas here in Round Rock and surrounding areas. We have a target set up in Durban, South Africa, where we previously had a missionary there. Uh, we're still working with the congregation that's there to do follow-up work, but I, I just actually before I drove to the church building today, uh, we had a notification that we had a new student waiting on the student board from South Africa. So you get notifications for that, and you can adopt students. Maybe you want to study with a friend or a family member. You can do that with the app. You can have a custom personal URL, and you can send that to your friend or family member and invite them to study with you. They click on that link, they register with World Bible School, they become your student. So that's option two. Option three, and I want to really encourage and dive into our young families uh, and families of our, our teens, etc., we have incredible technologies built at World Bible School in order to connect seekers with teachers. And one of those opportunities employs the efforts of in-country service centers who have all the lessons on hand. They handle the delivery. They handle the receiving of the lessons. They scan the answer sheets in so that they can be printed and graded here. So how does this involve your family? Well, I was introduced to World Bible School at a very young age. Not long after my parents obeyed the gospel, thanks to a Jewel Miller film strip, they were put to work teaching students with World Bible School lessons. I still remember helping them stuff the, stuff the envelopes with lessons that were going over to Africa. I remember the logo. I remember those little red, white, and blue envelopes for the, the mail that was going over there. When I started at World Bible School, someone showed me those old lessons, and it just brought back a flood of memories of sitting in that den at our home, in the floors, the carpet was all crunchy because my dad was in the military and he starched his shirts and the starch got on the floor and the carpets were all crunchy. That doesn't mean anything to you guys, but I remember what I was doing when I was sitting on that crunchy carpet. <laughs> what better way to encourage your children to, than to teach others? If you want your children to grow up and teach others later in life, show them. Show them that that's something that you're passionate about. Some, show them that it's something that you can do and it's something that's easy to do. Take 30 minutes a day or more. Gather your family at the table. Get some lessons. Get some grading sheets. 
Read the multiple choice questions. They're all fill-in-the-blank scripture questions. Challenge your children. Look up the answers in your Bibles. By the way, we have Bibles too. If you want Bibles, we have Bibles. Tell them to look up the scriptures in the Bible. Answer the question as you go through in grading. Talk about the answers together. Discuss the thought questions as well. This is a grading sheet. Uh, and there are multiple choice questions on one side. There are thought questions on another side. But really helps you understand whether or not the student is digesting the material that they're getting. But these are great ways, not only as a time to evangelize, but also to have time together as a family in God's Word. Once the quizzes are graded, bring them back to the building, drop them in a mailbox so that they can be scanned and sent back to a service center, and then they finish it off. They take that graded sheet that they printed off, they take the next lesson, and they go deliver it to the student. If you're interested in teaching in any way, there are tables at the back, or a table at the back. Just look for the giant banner there. And some of the members that are members here and also work with World Bible School, they'll be there. They'll be able to answer any questions you have. I also brought material in English and Spanish. So if you want to teach, feel free to take a sample of that material. If you want to see what's in it, grab it, take a look at it. But sign up. Um, you can also, of course, scan that QR code on the screen. Um, but the sign-up is merely just a means to gauge your interest in teaching. If you're interested in teaching, the sign-up sheet does not sign you up to actually teach, okay? I want to know who's interested in doing it, and then I will contact everybody, and I will set up a time where we can sit down and we can go through training, and we can talk about how we can do this together. I offer these simple ways for you to teach with World Bible School to get you thinking about not only the need there is to teach those who are seeking the truth of God's Word, but just how easy it is to do. Throw your excuses out, church, and let's get to work. Hopefully this evening you have been encouraged and challenged. The call of God is not passive. Obedience to the will of God and the commands of Christ are required in order to be added to His church. And once we're added to the church, Jesus says in the Great Commission that teaching is to continue. Consider this. Jesus said go. Action is necessary. He doesn't tell us to sit. He doesn't tell us to wait. He says go. He tells us that disciples are supposed to go and make more disciples. That requires teaching. And that teaching leads to the person hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, and being baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. And that teaching just continues on after that. However, they have already become a disciple of Jesus at that time by learning and obeying his teachings, right? So now, that great commission is for them also. Every Christian who has heard the teachings of Christ and followed them, this job is for you. Perhaps you're here tonight and you've not obeyed the commands of Christ. Maybe you've heard some things about the Bible and salvation that you haven't heard before, or your heart has been pricked to dig deeper and you wish to study more. Well, you can also sign up on those sheets in the back to become a student. And I will set you up with whatever materials you need and I'll teach you myself. If you are here and you have not answered God's call of the gospel, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You have heard the message God has left. Will you call him back? Don't do what I sometimes do with voicemails and ignore the message and hope that they call back. 
Don't ignore the message. Answer the call of God tonight. Maybe you're here and you've answered God's call in obedience, but you're struggling with sin, or maybe you've hung up on him completely and you've walked away. If you need the prayers of the church or you need study, don't wait until it's too late. Our lives are but a vapor. They are, it is here today and gone tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow will hold. You have the message. If you have a need that we can assist you with tonight, won't you come while we stand and sing?